0: Check out org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: My name is Anna Moss. I'm in New Orleans. at my house. And I, I could only hope that my art can make other people feel the way that I feel when I listen to some of my favorite musicians.
2: I got that big dick energy I need everyone to know I got that big dick energy I need everyone to know play super loud Playing loud and fast with my big dick energy.
0: This
3: is a rare uh, first ever interview in New Orleans. I've been here with some friends and the baby, and I've become newly obsessed with your music. Anyone who has been listening to anything I've been doing the last three months, I've probably heard your song Big Dick Energy five to eight times. My song of the year. I'm not saying that everyone needs big dick energy, but everyone needs the confidence to feel like they have... Sure. Big dick energy. Sure. What, is it, what does big dick energy mean to you, Anna?
1: Well, it's kind of a loaded question. <laughs> the actual term big dick energy is a positive thing. It, it, it means having the innate confidence and not having to be, not having to outwardly be a jerk to people because you are confident in yourself. So you just being like a nice kind person. It's almost like the divine masculine.
3: heard the lady. We are putting out all sorts of big energy today here on the Show on the Road podcast. Thank you for being with me. This was a very special talk I was able to have right on Frenchman Street at Anna Moss's house in New Orleans. Finding this song at the end of last year was kind of like opening a portal into a special new universe where someone like Anna and her band Handmade Moments exist. And rarely does a song make me laugh out loud and then dance to a flute solo and then sucker punch me in the gut because I realize that she's turning this fear on its head that so many women have about being able to take up space in the world. It's a hard number to reckon with, but one in three women in the United States will experience physical or sexual violence during their lifetimes. And maybe a cheeky song like this won't change things right away, but I think if you listen to Anna and how thoughtful she is in her music and in her life, You'll want to know a lot more.
2: Nintendo, I got a big old dick.
3: Well, the video for Big Dick energy is really fun. Um, you know, it's sort of turning the uh relentless pursuit of the female body on its head where you guys are chasing this shirtless guy through the street.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: and he's like trying to hide behind trees.
1: Yeah, the, the goal of the video was to re- reverse the gender roles and to paint a de- you know to paint a description of of what it would be like if men were constantly being objectified by women, not seen for the person that they are, but just for them themselves as sexual objects. If men were just being chased on the streets when they're just trying to j- like go jogging or do any kind of exercise. If men were constantly being catcalled and just terrified for their lives,
3: I think you're going for some comedy in the, in the video. But I think the more serious viewpoint of it is that like women have had to deal with this for thousands of years. Maybe I mean we're cavemen catcalling cave women, maybe, but sure. like the idea that. Men can be objectified and mocked and and made to feel small mm-hmm. is not ever usually something that happens, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think you talk about in in an Instagram post about taking up space and and saying like, no, we're gonna like be powerful and fuck shit up, you know. And yeah. like, like, why can't we do that?
1: Well, we can, and we are. Um, and we are.
3: <laughs> Would you describe your solo stuff as maybe more soul funk rock and roll based than Handmade Moments, the group thing you've been doing a while or is it just sort of an extension of what you're already doing
1: I think the main difference between the two projects is Handmade Moments is an acoustic project where we play all acoustic instruments I mostly play alto sax and bass clarinet and upright bass in Handmade Moments. Joel plays guitar and mandolin and we both beatbox and sing and he plays tuba but my and it's like folk and soul and just very all over the place, super political. But my project, I would call it bedroom pop. It's electronic. I mean, it's it's not electronic. It's electric. It's I play electric guitar, um, drummer, keys, some flutes, electric bass. But I oh I only just play guitar and sing.
3: Are you and Joel both from Arkansas originally? Yeah. Yeah. Fayetteville, or.
1: Well, I'm originally from Eureka Springs area, which is in the Ozarks. And then Joel is from Conway, which is near Little Rock.
3: You know, it's interesting. That's like one part of this country that our group Dust Bowl Revival has been like somehow absent from. Or we haven't ever gotten a show or no one's given us a chance to go through there. And I know this scene in in Tulsa and and Fayetteville is really cool. It just hasn't ever really happened. Do you go back there often to play or it's been a while?
1: We do. We go back there usually once or twice a year it's not necessarily on the way to anywhere which is probably why you've never been it's like you'd have to be going there to go there arkansas is what's called a flyover state it's beautiful it's absolutely beautiful but yeah it's it's um it's not always on everyone's radar
3: i think my goal this year is to try to bring at least my music to places that We haven't been in in a way because I think there's so many markets like how many times are we going to play, like no offense, like Cleveland or Columbus, you know, these places that we're always going through. Right. And what about Arkansas? What about Idaho? What about Alaska? You know, the few times we've been to like Alaska, even in the middle of the winter, it was incredible.
1: I want to go to Alaska.
3: I know. It's so cool up there. And people are so appreciative that you're there. Yeah. You know? You know, you play New York or L- even L.A., where we're from. People are like, oh, yeah, well, you'll be back. We'll catch the next show. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I really like playing in Minnesota for that reason. Minneapolis is such a cool city. People are just like, thank you for coming. I would never miss a show. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a rhubarb pie. <laughs> uh,
3: I was digging that, uh, the song from 2022, Hole in the Ocean, that Handmade Moments put out. Um You know, obviously climate change and, and man, what's happening to our Earth is affecting New Orleans directly in a very real, scary way. Um, You weren't here during Katrina yet, were you?
1: I wasn't here during Katrina, but I was here during uh, Zeta and Ida.
3: What is it like being here during a storm?
1: It's wild. I was looking forward to it, I was here for Hurricane Zeta. I was home alone. Joel was out of town and I was home alone and I was like, "Oh, this is going to be fun. I have all these candles. I have I have I have candles of all the colors of the rainbow." And I'm like, "I'm going to light my candles. I'm going to play guitar by candlelight. It's going to be sweet. I got water and everything I need." And then it happened and it was terrifying. And then the power's out um for a long time. And cell phones don't work cuz the cell phone towers go down. Oh shit. And so it feels, on top of the fact that there's just massive destruction and like you don't know what's going on and you hope everyone's okay. Um, And there's, of course, flooding. That's scary. You can't really go anywhere. Um, But on top of that, then it's just very, it feels very lawless. Mm. Anything could happen and you can't call anybody. Mm. Anything could happen and no one's gonna help you. (laughs) You can't reach anyone. Mm. You're just on your own and it's dark. And you're just like, whoa.
3: Did you see like people start to like take the law into their own hands, or like was it? I mean, it probably wasn't as bad as Katrina, but like, it's like you you watch stuff on TV. It's happening in Northern California right now. Like really, like Sacramento is like underwater. You know? Jeez, yeah. I and mean. like, it's hard to try to just live your regular life when. There's no stores. You can't get to the hospital. You can't, right? You know, get food. So that's it's like a scary. It's thing. almost like you have to start being lawless in a way. Sure,
1: sure, yeah. I didn't experience anything like that firsthand. I just stayed in my house. Thankfully, I'm in good health, so I don't need to go to the hospital or anything. But if I had, if I had 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 to, it would have been impossible, you know. So that's a scary thought of just of just knowing that there's no help and no one's gonna come.
3: Yeah, that there's some really cool rhymes in that Hole in the Ocean song. You know, the coastline's receding, retreating, it's fleeting before we can kill it. But that idea of that we're like a junkie that keeps stealing from mom, from the mother, yeah. you know, and keep asking for more and more and more.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: There's a hole in the ocean, it's growing, and no one knows quite how to feel it. side the see and treated it's bleeding before we can kill it and the forest are dying and trying crying out, out screaming and bleeding they're deeper the needle the searching and hurting the junkies needing
3: like there's so many things that you can do even like as a band air travel constantly is like a very strange vice that you can't get rid
1: of yeah you know you have to do it and it's not it's not like the science isn't there yeah the science is there for regenerative power and agriculture and everything it's just not profitable in capitalism and that is the sad part
2: now bombs falling mothers and brothers and lovers in far away places Violence and
3: nation. You experienced, unfortunately, firsthand The risk of taking those long van rides From show to show You know, um, the really scary crash that you had mm-hmm. um, Did you think that maybe after that That you would stop touring for a while or, or did it never cross your mind?
1: Never crossed my mind Never crossed my mind But it was a freak accident It was like I don't know if you read about our accident, but we were on the 49, leaving Grass Valley, California, on a two-lane highway where every couple miles a passing lane opens. And coming the opposite way were two cars that were merging back into one lane, and they mm. were fighting over who was going to be in front. Mm. And then they crashed into each other, lost control, came into our lane, yeah. hit us head on. Which goes to show it doesn't matter like how good of a driver yeah. you are. It was like 2 p.m. on a Saturday yeah. It was sun shining. There was no rain. It wasn't bad weather conditions. You could be having the best day ever, best driving conditions, and some people could just crash into you. <laughs> you know, you just <laughs> never know what's going to happen. It's always a risk. That's why we try to take the train as much as possible. Oh, sweet. We're taking the train this year a few times on our tour, and it's so amazing.
3: Amtrak. Love. We're actually
1: heading to Washington, D.C. Mm. Um, from here, from New Orleans in a few months on how, long, how
3: long does that take three days
1: no it takes one day
3: okay oh yeah I guess overnight
1: but we get a sleeper car you get to eat three meals a day at the restaurant there's showers you can just play guitar in the observation car which is like a car of all windows and it's so relaxing it's
3: so it reminds relaxing. me of the that run I was mentioning we did in Alaska where we had to take 10-hour ferries to a couple of, like, outlying islands. Yeah. And at first I was like, oh my God, this is gonna take forever. It's gonna be really boring. Because the weather was, like, pretty bleak. It wasn't, like, bright, sunshiny days. But it was, like, such a relaxing, calming thing where you, and then you saw, like, whales. and, And... the sun came out and the icebergs are like glittering. You know,
1: you're like, like oh, icebergs.
3: And <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, I wish it was like 20 hours long.
1: I know. Honestly, it, people don't think about it because we're always trying to save time, you know. But 12 hours in, on a train or 24 hours on a train is so nice. Or on a ferry is so nice. Whereas twenty-four hour traveling by plane or car is the worst. You feel it on your body. Yeah, you're all crunched up because when you're driving, you have to be so present when you're behind the wheel. You can't really relax, you know. And when you're flying, you're in your tiny little seat. You have to like climb over people, go to the bathroom. It's just a mess, you know. But on the train, you can walk around, stretch. You can Drink tea all day. Drink wine. It's awesome.
3: I feel like that song you did, a uh, slow down Kamikaze, would be nice on a lazy train ride.
1: Oh yeah, that's my vibe these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just just
3: to like, jump. just
1: let it all
3: flow. Yeah. Well, tell me a little more about that song, cause I, that's that part where you keep saying, "I was invisible. I was invisible. kept sticking with me.
1: Well, that that um, that part of the song is about a dream i had where i I got to go to iran Mm. i've I've always wanted to go to iran and and like iraq and see all of the old temples um and just like the cradle of our civilization Mm. it's all over there but as an american citizen it would be really difficult for me to go over there yeah it's not safe but i had this dream that i went there but i was invisible so Mm. no one could see me and i was free and I could walk around and mm. I could do, and I could just look at all the beautiful things and no one's going to like bother me or harass me or try to kill me because I'm invisible. And that's a, that's always a secret power. Like when I was a little kid, if when you, you know, you people like, if you could have one secret power, what would it be? The one that I always wanted was to be invisible. Mm. Just so I could go anywhere and see anything and yeah. no one's going to like, because it is different to be in a woman body. You well, do
3: not, Yeah, it's very dangerous over there right now. It's yeah, you can't horrifying.
1: You, you can't just be, you know. And, and it's like that anywhere. People always see you and like want to interact with you or expect something from you or whatever it might be. But if you're invisible, you are just totally free and and you can just be. And that song is is about I was coming out of really deep dark depression and um it was it was just really hard for me to see my way out of it. Mm. And that was just kind of like a mantra, if you will, that I was repeating to myself. I was like, slow down, Kamikaze. I'm like the fly that just wants to like go into the light. You mm-hmm. know, it, I am so attracted to that light, but it will kill me if I go to it. Shh.
3: what is the light?
1: You know, just like the fly going into the light and then zapping itself dead. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what the light is. It just is nice and I want it. It's warmth. It's all consuming. It's like, it's just like, um, it's nice. It seems like it's, maybe death. I think death. But you don't realize it's death. Maybe if you're a fly. Or maybe you do. I can't speak for the flies. Well,
3: it's, maybe, like, just, like, being busy or being, like, occupied or being, like, like having to be doing something at all times, you know? Like, we have to be, like, I have to be purposeful. I have to be, like, making something. I have to be yeah. achieving something. I have to be impressing someone, you know? It's a rat race. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, as a, as a performer, that's always one of those things where you're like, can I do this without the relentless need of approval?
2: Sure. You know? Sure.
3: Like can I not take it personally if the crowd is either not paying attention or not there or like yeah and you know I mean I've been in band since I was in seventh grade it's still not easy to be like why aren't they paying attention to how important this is
1: yeah it's hard and the music business is gnarly it's and especially if you're an independent musician you know if you don't have a team you're just kind of out there it's a doggy dog world <laughs> you know nobody's going to look out for you everyone's trying to take advantage of you and and um, pay you as little as possible and and it can slow be it can be very it can feel very defeating crazy. at times
2: mm-hmm. slow down crazy. slow down
1: It was more, I think what, what really got to me was the dual the dualities in this country and just like watching people just see everything as a black and white issue mm. and watching like communities fall apart over stuff like the vaccine or, or like everything, you know, like all these different like cancel culture and all this type of stuff. It's just so sad and disgusting. And like mm. it's like it's like a toxic sludge where people are just like projecting their worst of themselves onto each other and like tearing each other apart and I I guess I was going through a phase where I just like I don't want to live in a world like this I just Mm. don't want to be in a place like this I would rather just be invisible and not be here and not participate because this is just too much for me nobody is nobody is compassionate or cares Or, yeah, has any, like...
3: Or there's plenty of people that care, but they're not in power. They're not in power. Or, like, they're not able to... Or
1: they're not the loud ones.
3: ...make the decisions that affect the most people.
1: And and, and also, like, the realization that hurt people hurt people. And so all these people that are hurt are hurting other people, and it's just, like, this never-ending disease that keeps giving, and um, it's hard to... Watch that just keep happening, you know. We didn't even have a sex education class. The class was called abstinence. Oh
3: man, yeah, at public school, <laughs> yeah,
1: wow. public school, Dry County. Class is called abstinence. And we That was
3: the like title of the class. That's
1: the title of the class. Wow. So we didn't really get like a good my teachers were cool, like they tried, you know, but it wasn't it's like the it's like the powers that be that say what are what are allowed to be taught, you know? And you know, I I'm from a place where they're like, you can't teach evolution here, you know, you have to teach the God thing about the creative design, which don't get me wrong, it's a beautiful theory. But like, come on. And Abstinence was the name of the class and kids just didn't have access to the information about birth control. And there was a kid in my seventh grade class, 12 years old, who was pregnant Uh. and 12 year old kid can't have a kid. I mean, they can physically, but that's not, um, that kid doesn't have like, it's not an adult yet. How can you bring a child into this world when you're 12 years old? You know, stuff like that happens. And then like, until we have the proper education and access to birth control, not to mention Male birth control, which is a big thing in Japan, but they just don't let us have that over here. We're really afraid of the side effects. For us, you know, we're afraid of something. What if we get a headache? With zero side effects,
0: (laughs) 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 anything could happen.
1: Um, Yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's it's sad. And then, like back to the whole thing, it's like you can't point your finger at the people when it's the powers that be that are kind of making the rules and making it oppressive for a lot of people
3: and there's so many good people in these blood red states sure that are just being stranded or like it's almost like they're being held hostage yeah
1: and then there are people that want to do good and then instead of like looking up towards the powers that be they just kind of look around to anybody that might vote red and be like it's your fault you know and there's a lot of that too and and that i don't find that very helpful at all because i think we all all of us people that are j- the working class have a lot more in common than we think.
3: Yeah. When did you start playing music? How young?
1: I remember I started singing. I would lock myself in the bathroom when I was three years old and sing the same song over and over again.
3: You had to lock yourself to like keep it invisible.
1: Well, I wanted to be invisible. I always wanted to be invisible. Yeah. <laughs> <I was> just...
3: <laughs> the bathroom was the invisibility
1: cloak. <gasps> well, I had an interesting childhood. I, I my family was very a pretty dysfunctional. Uh, family vibe. So I, I, did. I always wanted to be invisible. I always just wanted to escape. And I would, I would just lock myself in the bathroom because that's, as Regina Specter says, the truest room in the whole damn house.
3: I escape there frequently now as a new dad.
1: Yeah, it's the only place where you can you can lock yourself in there and no one's gonna ask you any questions. Plus, the acoustics for a cappella singing are exceptional.
3: My wife's like, are you watching TikTok in there? I'm like, maybe.
1: Who cares? <laughs> I'm invisible. <laughs> you can't see me. She's like, I
3: see. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think, well, singing feels like a superpower when you're a little kid in a way.
1: Oh, it, it does. I mean, it was the most amazing feeling. I would just sing for hours in the bathroom and it felt so good. And yeah. I mean, Were you in
3: like choir or stuff in school?
1: wasn't I was in choir yeah I was in choir, I was in band I started playing the saxophone alto sax when I was eleven, I was in the jazz band I was very nerdy, but being in band in Arkansas is not as cool as being in band in New Orleans. Mm. I look at these kids like you'll see if you go to the Second Line today yeah. or if you go to any of the Mardi Gras parades, you'll see a lot of kids that are in marching band in and they're currently in like public school, and they're killing it. If you play tuba. Like Joel. Joel's first instrument was tuba. If you play tuba in Arkansas as a kid, you are a nerd, you're a dork, <laughs> get a life, get a clue. But if you play tuba in a band as a kid in New Orleans, you're a star.
3: <laughs> well, that's what I was telling uh, my friends who are here with me in New Orleans. Like, if you watch these bands, the tuba sousaphone is the main heartbeat of the band. So there's no bass. Sometimes you have maybe just a, a snare and some cymbals. Well, the tuba is the bass. This guy is leading the whole, b- and they they don't start until he starts. Yeah, he know. calls the
1: tune, or he, yeah. whoever tuba player calls the tunes. That sounds good.
3: And there's been this whole uh, thing about tuba theft in L.A. I'm just really, I remember reading this L.A. Times article about it because the mariachi bands need it.
1: Sure, that's, that's and big
3: over there, uh, you know, marching bands, etc. And these things are big expensive items yeah that people in not affluent communities and and high schools they're not gonna have these laying around no so all these rich kids schools in la all of a sudden are missing their tubas (laughs) like they're just disappearing (laughs) there's like a black tuba market you know
1: hey what are you gonna do you know they can afford to buy another one (laughs)
3: Did you look up to uh, Lisa Simpson as a young sax player?
1: No, I did not. I didn't have it. You know, to be honest with you, I don't have the same background as most sax players do. I was never like that into the saxophone. And I didn't really watch The Simpsons. And I know that sounds bizarre. When Joel and I were touring as Handmade Moments in Argentina, people would point to me on the streets and they'd be like, Lisa Simpson. (laughs) And I'm like, what the heck? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but no, I, I, I never really, uh, I wasn't into really many sax players. These days, I'm more into the clarinet. I do love the saxophone. The bass play. clarinet? I play bass clarinet, but I also just play the regular small clarinet for fun. I don't really perform with it at all. I actually took it on tour with my friend John Craigie in November, and I, that was my first time performing with like a clarinet, like a small clarinet. But I, th- I just like to jam well,
3: with Well, ladies it. playing, you know... Woodwinds and leading the band like Lizzo. It's very in right
1: now. Yes. Yeah. It's,
2: it's
3: all the rage.
1: Have you seen Doreen Ketchum's? No. She's on Royal Street. She's an incredible clarinet player and vocalist. Oh, her you band know what? is I think, fire. I
3: think maybe we passed her. They might yesterday. be out right now, actually. Older lady? Yeah, sits yeah.
2: down and plays
1: clarinet. Yeah, yeah we actually watched her for a little bit yesterday. She shreds. Yeah.
3: Well, there's a fun video folks want to check out of. You guys playing the song called "President Trump"? Oh yeah, in a, in a cave.
1: So that song is going to be on the next record. We're about to, handmade moments is about to release a record in May, and it's called "End of the Wars." It's an anti-war album, but that song has been changed. That the name is now "Fear for President." We changed the name. Um, I should change the
0: YouTube video too.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 frustrating how that sack of meat that was our president keeps inserting himself in so many conversations. He's not even in office anymore. It's right. like, he's just like this hovering evil spirit almost that's like always there that like we can't get away from. In sure. A way, you know,
1: I think the scariest part about Trump is that he had such a powerful, um, way of, of, getting people to band together and be afraid or hateful towards other people, which is this to me, the most terrifying part because if you actually look at what Trump did in office, Obama started more wars, sent off more drones, all that kind of stuff. And so is Biden. Like Biden's the, the, Biden's a big war guy. Obama was a big war guy. Trump actually didn't have as many people die. Um, from American bombs under his presidency but what he did do that was really scary is like get people all riled up and hateful against minorities and um, Trump was a lot of talk but his talk was really dangerous and that was really scary like the insurrection and those types of things and any time people band together in fear and like project hate on another group of people is a terrifying thing i mean look at the holocaust it's it's awful But you see it happening on both sides. I feel like you see people just being afraid Mm -hmm. and then hateful towards people and then thinking of those people as lesser humans. Right. You know, like saying that the people coming across the borders are all evil, rapist, killers. Like that's a very dangerous thing to say and get people to believe.
3: I mean, do you feel as a songwriter, as a performer that like, we have some sort of responsibility to change people's minds, or is that like a hopeless endeavor?
1: I mean, I don't necessarily think it's my responsibility to change people's minds, but I do f- I do feel like whatever I create will reflect the times that we're going through. And, you know, I, I do write about, I do write a lot of political songs, and I write about what's going on. And... Yeah, I don't necessarily feel like it's my responsibility. Like some artists only write love songs. Some artists, you know, don't write about political stuff. And more power to them because it can be crushing, <laughs> it can be daunting, and it can be polarizing. Um, but I, for for me, it's like you know, I'm I've always been a big activist. Me and Joel, you know, we're from Arkansas, and we met when we were 18 years old in college, and in Arkansas there's a lot of big factory farm chicken farms like Tyson Mm. and there's a lot of natural gas fracking um and these types of things happening and and Joel and I were getting really involved in like protests and stuff when we were really young and kind of seeing how like the big mega churches for example in Conway the the call the town that we went to college in like one of the youth pastors at this mega church was also like a CEO of this oil company in Texas. Oof. And there's just so many different like ways of like brainwashing groups of people. And, um, anyway, I've been involved in this type of stuff for a long time, but the older I get, the more, I, the more I realize, um, how important it is to, to make sure that we're not being so polarizing mm-hmm. because there are good people all over And, um, and yeah, I, I I just want to talk about the themes, like in in the wars, as as much as like I hear people around me being like calling people Trumpers, it's, Mm -hmm. it's sad to me because like, I don't want to alienate those people. I want them to more than anything, like hear me Mm
3: -hmm.
1: and, and, and I want to reach out to them and like hear, just, I want us all to hear each other. Like, why not? You know, instead of being on a foundation of fear and hate, how about just like hanging out and and finding some common ground and realizing that we're all getting the shaft when it comes to like this capitalist economy that's slowly crashing and burning and our centralized food system is falling apart and we're all being poisoned by the same shit, you know? Um
3: How has New Orleans maybe changed you or... or- do you feel like there's something about New Orleans since you've been here that, obviously it's like nowhere else in this country. Sure. But like, what is something about New Orleans that maybe people don't know that really affects you?
1: Um, there's a very humble nature here of, I, I don't know why or what, but I have my theories. Like maybe all the hurricanes and just constant destruction, destructive events that have happened here make people really band together. There's a sense of community that's really strong here um, that I really love, and it's really sweet to be a part of. Less self-righteousness. There's a lot of self-righteousness all over the place because there's a lot of problems, but people, a lot of times people will be like, their way of fixing the problems is to do the, what do they call it, um, virtue signaling on the mm-hmm. internet or whatever. There's a lot less of that here, and just people like showing up in the community and like, being being themselves which is Mm. cool and you know there's not a lot to be self-righteous about here it's there's a lot of talent there's a lot of talent but there's not a lot of money to be made Mm. there's not like you know like I don't know there's a lot of talent for sure and at the end of the day people are just people and I think that that's that's what you realize that at the end of a hurricane, you know, like when you don't have power for three weeks and people are just showing up to get a bucket of ice so that they can have groceries and, um, gasoline to run their generators. It's mm-hmm. just like, it doesn't matter how talented you are. We're all in the same. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> you know.
3: but I'm always struck at the, the crazy, uh, swing between the joy that the second line culture and, and the music culture here, that it's everywhere, yeah. right? And that people are coming here to celebrate. That's why I'm here. It's like we're, we're here to, like, celebrate our friend who's turning 40. And yeah. it's like, and we're here to, like, just sort of let loose and enjoy. And then you walk outside your little house, and there's plaques about, oh, yeah, this is where the slaves were traded. Like, sure. in this little patch of grass. Mm-hmm. This is where, you know, that... Uh, Movie Twelve Years a Slave. It's like this is where this all sort of began. And like that, that history is like everywhere in the South. Yeah. But especially in New Orleans. I mean, this was like the epicenter of the slave
1: trade. This was you know? the very first slave port in yeah. the South. And arguably where all where most American music comes from is from here. Yeah. There's a there's a movement around town to To base to call to call music with like jazz blues roots black American music because it does come from mm-hmm. all like the slaves that were brought here were from all these different countries in Africa and they you know they were here and like and then mixed with the indigenous people um, and just all the different people that were here is where the roots of all music that we know in America come from well which the true American art wild. form
3: that's sort of Is now obviously gone viral in a way. You know, it's like the Mm -hmm. whole world has to like experience jazz and blues and rock and roll. It all comes from this one little, you know, port town. Yeah,
1: and then it's 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 taken its own. You know, it's it's like moved to other places and like grown into different things, but it all stems from this one area. Yeah, it's it is wild that so much pain and suffering in this place also. There's so much joy and beauty, and um, yeah, it's really incredible. I love that about the second line. The second line is such a beautiful, it's such a beautiful um, event. Joel plays a lot of, when we're not on tour, as Handmade Moments, he plays in a lot of brass bands. He plays Mm. tuba in a bunch of brass bands, and he'll play a lot of second lines for funerals, for birthday parties, for graduations, for weddings, and it's just such an interesting concept and a beautiful concept of like shepherding people through this phase of life with music. Mm. And especially the funerals where you're like, okay, this person has passed. They're no longer on the earthly plane. We're going to play these songs for them mm-hmm. to get them into the spirit world. Or, you know, that's just my understanding. of But it. it's so beautiful and so emotional and so powerful. Mm-hmm. And you just see people like, dancing and crying and, and totally, like, losing control of their bodies. And it's it, it's just very, uh, yeah, it's very cathartic.
3: Yeah, I mean, our, our group, Dust Bowl Revival, has always sort of played New Orleans music as part of our show. But, you know, I'm from Chicago. I didn't grow up listening to this music. I just sort of discovered it and fell in love with it. And we would do this thing at the end of shows, and we still do sometimes, where we'd go out in the audience... And we play something they can sing along to down by the riverside, um, you know. And our horn players used to start playing "A Closer Walk with Thee." I, I didn't even know what that song was. I was like, "Oh yeah, like this is a fun thing that we do at the end of shows." And then like I realized, like, "Oh yeah, that's like the funeral
1: song." Mm-hmm. I'm
3: like, I'm like, are, are, is that an inappropriate thing to play at the end of shows? I mean, it felt so good. <coughs> but it was like I was like is this the funeral of the show like it's the end of the show does, Yeah, does it kind of makes sense
1: oh it's you know? beautiful yeah. the melody is just so incredible yeah. too. definitely has changed me about living in New Orleans is how I view like religious songs and spiritual songs and gospel songs. Because when I where I'm from in Arkansas, you know, I had a different outlook on religion. As I was saying earlier, there's lots of mega churches. There's a lot of there's a lot of money tied in with church mm-hmm. and um just like kind of pretentiousness and you know in places where I'm from in Arkansas, like the people at the church don't like poor people, you know. Yeah. Like that's a vibe that you get, and you're like, ugh. And and like there's this sense of like self righteousness that is just not attractive. But then coming to New Orleans and experiencing like these te- these spiritual songs and and different spiritual practices here, it's just really beautiful, and it's kind of it's opened me up. To be more accepting. The older I get, the less attached I am to any type of ideal. I'm like, you know what? Everybody's right. Everybody's right a little bit, you know? <laughs> They're just trying to find their way. I mean, do
3: you believe in that sort of past life situation where, like, maybe you were someone else in another time? Sure. And that's I mean, maybe why. I mean, I can't explain why, like, Mahalia Jackson moves me so much. Like, why would this move me this much? Yeah. Like, it feels like something real deep.
1: Of course. You
3: know, we're like, this is something that you need. I do.
1: (laughs) But that's a new thing for me. If you want to tie it back into the original thing you asked me, I would say that Jesus is the OG big dick energy. (laughs) You heard
3: it here first, folks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We need more people like that in the world. Yeah, But I hear you. When I first, when I came to the first Sunday second line, which is gonna happen soon. Yeah, yeah, we're going to go there with you. Um, the first time I went to a Sunday Second Line, I was just, just bawling my eyes out. Mm. I was just crying. And there was this sense of, like, wow, there are so many, like, all the spirits that have passed are here for this. Like, we're all, it's just kind of like a river of, like, everything that has ever been all happening at once, and it's like a, it's like the physical way to visit that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a visitation of like all the spirits that have ever been. And these songs are so old and have existed here, and this tradition is so like beautiful and yeah. But to answer your question, I don't know. I don't have any rigid ideas about what happens after we die or past lives. I just I'm open to everything. The older I get, the more I realize the less I know. You know, I just don't know anything. So any, anybody could be right. You know, anybody, I can't, there, there's nothing to disprove past lives. Last thing
3: I'll ask you, since this is our first ever interview in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and there's probably about 50 ghost tours happening on various streets as we were walking around last night. Um, have you encountered any sort of spirit or ghost since you've been here in New Orleans? And my young daughter, I think, is very aware that something is in our little house off Frenchman Street because she keeps like popping up and like pointing at like the corner of the room. Oh, yeah. And last night, I woke up. No, this morning, I heard specifically in my dream someone going, Help. Oh. Not screaming, not like almost like telling me to help her or like mm-hmm. saying, Help, help her, you know? Mm-hmm. And her daughter. I, maybe, mm-hmm. and I heard this, at first I thought it was my wife, and then I looked over, she's dead asleep, and the baby, as soon as I heard that, I went, ah! And, and pointed at the ceiling, like pointed Whoa. at the corner of the room. It was like an instantaneous, like she heard it.
1: Did so. you see anything? No. Interesting.
3: Well, I think she might.
1: I think little kids and babies have a, a keener sense of like the spirit world, because they're way closer to it. Yeah. They just came from that. You know? But I've never seen a ghost. Um, I've experienced a lot of, like, wild stuff down here. Like, you know, very random occurrences that are like, well, that's crazy. But I've never seen, like, a a ghost.
3: Such as?
1: Oh, gosh, now I'm on the spot. I can't really... Like, okay, okay, for example, my house that we're at right now, um... I feel like Louis Armstrong has always had like a really big impact on me. When I was a little kid and I heard his voice, mm. I just like felt so much emotion mm. through my entire body. Like His voice is like a warm hug. Mm. There's nothing quite like Louis Armstrong. He's just like, wow. And I remember always feeling this way ever since I was like a little, little, little mm. kid. And when I was in college, I was working at this restaurant in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. And I would have like a 20-minute commute every day. And I was listening to Louis Armstrong in my car. I was listening to this song, When It's Sleepy Time Down South. And I was going 70 miles per hour on the interstate. And the car in front of me swerved. And I'm like, why are they swerving? And then as soon as they get out of the way, I realized because there's a tractor tire in the middle of the road. And I'm in like a low car. So then I swerved. And I lost control of my vehicle. Ah. And I spun around on the interstate like, three times and I was able to slow down and stop. Thankfully I didn't crash. Um, but it was terrifying. It was like being in a video game where I'm just like, wah, 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 just trying to get control of the car. And then as soon as I pulled over and I was just like, <gasps> Louis's voice was still there, like when it's sleepy time down South. And so many times in life, like when I hear that song, something's happening. Well, when Joel and I, um, we're on the road. We lived in a van for like six years, just traveling and playing music. Cause we were so busy playing shows that it didn't make sense to pay rent anyway. Right. And then finally we just gotten off this 22 show run with Yonder Mountain String Band that ended in Key West, Florida. And our goal was to drive straight to new Orleans and find a place to live because I needed to not be living in a van anymore. Yeah. So we drove here to new Orleans crashed with a friend for like six days and looked for places to live and we're just constantly looking and it was a little stressful because it was around Mardi Gras and then finally we found this house that we're at right now Mm -hmm. and we were, it was hard to get this house because the landlords were going through a third party and it was Mardi Gras and they're like we don't know well the locations also incredible it's awesome but they're like give us time and we're like we don't have time we need to know now (laughs) so we'll do anything just like get us in here we just want to live here so then we parked our astro van in front of the house and we're waiting on the third party lady to come show us the house and then when it's sleepy time down south comes on wwoz Hmm. and i was like and i was like we're gonna live here yeah this is we're gonna get we're gonna live at this house
3: the patron saint of new orleans yeah is singing to us
1: and then, sure enough, it all worked out. But I've never had, like, a negative ghostly experience. It's always been very positive. Yeah, I
3: always feel like ghosts get a bad, right?
1: Sure. Yeah. I do, too. And I don't quite understand, you know, ghosts, like, s- spirits, whether they're stuck in the physical realm. I don't, I don't understand it exactly. I just, um...
3: Whereas my dad likes to say, if there are so many ghosts that people see, why aren't people seeing dinosaur ghosts?
1: Yeah, what the heck?
3: They were everywhere. Where are the Dino Ghosts?
1: Well, is that kind of like chickens?
3: Where are the chicken ghosts? Where's <laughs> the chicken?
1: The, pol- the poultry geist. <laughs> oh,
3: there you go. That's your new band name. Well, I appreciate you uh, making the time to be on here, and uh, you know, it's always special for me to be in New Orleans. Uh, I'd love to spend more time here if possible. So. Yeah, you got to um, come back. Yeah, of course, and uh, I'm sure our bands will be at some festival together soon. Yeah. Who knows where?
1: I think so. I really do.
3: If you haven't listened to Big Dick Energy yet, stop what you're doing. Go do that right now.
1: Yeah, thank you.
3: All right, we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon.
2: When it's sleepy time down south, yes, the soft wind wind. blowing through pinewood trees. That folks down there live a life of ease When old mammy falls on her knees When it's sleepy time
3: There she goes. Anna Moss, everybody. You can go to AnnaMossMusic.com for her uh, various projects that she's in. Uh, She'll be playing at Tipitina's right in New Orleans April 27th with Anders Osborne and making an appearance at Jazz Fest in New Orleans May 6th. Her duo with Joel... Handmade Moments will be playing in Washington, D.C. in May, and uh, Cumberland, Maryland at Dell Fest, uh, going up to Strawberry Music Fest here in California May 27th, and much more. Uh, HandmadeMomentsMusic.net. And there's a new record coming from them in May. And where might your group Dust Bowl Revival be going coming up, you ask? Well, let me tell you. uh, We are headed to the East Coast next week, starting March 22nd in Pittsburgh at... Thunderbird Music Hall, then going to Lancaster's TELUS 360 and then we will be heading to Washington D.C. at the Hamilton, our favorite spot by the White House on Friday, March 24th playing a 1pm Jamie Lee Curtis approved matinee all ages show at Rams Head in Annapolis on the 25th and finishing at Ardmore Music Hall outside Philly As always, this show is written, produced, and edited by yours truly, Zach Lupiton, and we'll be back with another episode from New
0: Orleans. See you soon. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know.